0: But I have prayed and thought about this. Like, Lord, will there ever be a time where I'll be alive to see the Dream Center wholly run by the church, mm-hmm. wholly run by the church, where mm-hmm. maybe people like myself, maybe they're they're blessed to have some sort of stipend or something. But you know I mean, I want to see everybody in the church be a part of this, regardless mm-hmm. of where it's at, what church they're part. Of. It doesn't matter because it's a big C church, and we know because. We have technology now. We have ways to schedule things, and yes, there's going to be things that happen. I pray when I'm old and gray, I could be that old guy that's just kind of sitting in the lobby. Like, what's he do? Oh, I just or he's just hanging out. You know, he's just hanging out because that's what that's what I get to do as old guy, right? I can just hang out. You know, so it's like Lord, I pray I can do that to fill in those gaps because so I know in ministry sometimes there's stuff that happens. The people's doing the administration stuff. They're like, man, I can, that's important, but I can't get to. Ah. And I was like, hey, I got it. I got it. I can do that. So.
1: Welcome to Around the Block with Pastor Thabidi Anyabwile, that's me, you can call me Pastor T. Around the Block is a podcast of The Creek Collective, and in this podcast, in our inaugural season, we've been in Washington, D.C., trying to get a sense of the gospel ecology in our city, particularly in our neighborhoods east of the Anacostia River. When I say gospel ecology, I mean the the sort of ingredients, the nutrients, the soil, the vegetation that goes into creating an ecosystem, one where the gospel itself flourishes. And for any good gospel ecology, you not only need gospel preaching churches and individual Christians who live out their faith day to day, but you also have parachurch organizations that come alongside the church in its mission to serve the neighborhood and to advance the gospel. Uh, One of the great partners we've had in our neighborhood is the DC Dream Center. It's run by a brother named Ernest Clover. He's a great brother, full of energy and enthusiasm with boundless vision um, for the community and serving the community and a very open heart to partner with others. They've been partners with us in hosting job fairs, in um, various kinds of outreaches. We just love the Dream Center and we love Ernest. And I'm so glad that we get a chance to talk with him. He's a member of National Community Church, um, the church that really is behind the Dream Center and he is a a faithful brother in the Lord. Uh, Lean in as I talk with Ernest Clover of the DC Dream Center about parachurch organizations, about the DC Dream Center's role in the community, about partnering to strengthen the gospel ecology of our neighborhood. Brother, thank you for for doing this, man, for joining us on the podcast. So grateful for your labors in the neighborhood, brother. Um, you, you're a brother of boundless energy and enthusiasm and vision, um, which is, I think, a large part of what makes the Dream Center the Dream Center. Um, so talk with us about the Dream Center, how we got started what its purpose is, mm-hmm. all those kinds of things. Thank you, Pastor T, for having me. Praise the Lord for that. No, it's uh, true. For, for saying that, and thank
0: you. Yeah. To praise Him for that. And yeah. so, the Dream Center. You know, the interesting thing is, there is a Dream Center network mm-hmm. of Dream Centers. Okay. The L.A. Dream Center is the first Dream Center. Okay. Each Dream Center that is around the world is very different and unique, and ours has a very unique story. Because mm-hmm. 26 years ago, the preceding ministry was called the Little White House. Yeah. And that Little White House was, it was and still is a house on the hill for all people. If you're mm-hmm. alive and bring come to the front door, since the Dream Center uh, has now been open, it would be five years this August, yeah. we have a one-two punch with these two properties. So the Little White House still lives in that original vision and mission of those who went before us, Uh, in particular, Sammy Morrison, who was a former deputy chief of police in Mm -hmm. Washington, D.C., Scott Demick, uh, who's now gone into glory. He was a former area young life leader in Northern Virginia, and they were the two guys on point there. And it was in 2010 that conversations began with National Community Church, Pastor Mark Batterson Mm -hmm. and Joel Schmidgall. And those conversations led to a conversation around, hey, what if in a partnership, we created this dream center and this apartment building that Scott and Sam and Little White House that owned was right behind the Little White House. Mm-hmm. Hey, National Community Church, that can be your dream center, but assume all this ministry and make the dream center even more than that. And it was in 2012 that I was hired on and brought brought on to be able to run the next leg of the race. So when I look at dream center and explain it to people I really want them to understand that this is where the gospel gets flesh and blood put inside of it, right? So people would rather See a sermon and hear one. Mm. So the Dream Center is an outreach historic community center with our gym, after-school programming space, what dance studio, classroom, computer lab, recording studio. We have a partnership with Howard University mm. that addresses opioid addiction in the community. They have an office there. So this is very much a hustle-bustle. You see children, adults, whatever. But it is there that they get to draw in and to see and taste the Lord is good. Mm -hmm. Because one of the major features is that chalkboard wall, the dream Mm -hmm. wall, where Mm -hmm. I'm like, hey, read a dream, write a dream, pray for a dream. Adults will let me know they're dreaming when they come in and say, hey, you, you got jobs. Mm-hmm. well mm-hmm. hey hey, could you help me with this resume mm-hmm. then I know like hey you caught that vision you mm-hmm. might not ever engage that chalkboard wall like a child but I know you caught the vision of what we do and as we try to develop the individual because we want to see people reach their God-given potential then we're like hey why don't you go over to the White we have our prayer breakfast oh really Yeah, we have our grandparenting group we see it like we have a Bible study with grandparents you can come and get into the word and be with other grandparents encourage each other and we try to help get you some additional assistance and so in that way, that is how these two work. Dream Center Outreach and then Southeast White House Discipleship because the
1: House of Hospitality Fellowship and Discipleship. Man, That's what's up, man. Mm-hmm. And so you've been, so that's 26 years total. 26 years the total. The White House starts 26 years exactly. ago. Yeah. You've been leading the Dream Center and the White House since 2012. Yep. Yeah. And it's a it's kind of a, if I'm hearing it correctly, you've got a partnership there of former police uh, Young Life, so mm-hmm. another parachurch, church. evangelical yeah. <laughs> organization, and National Community Church, right? Yeah. Which is, um, for folks who don't know D.C., that church isn't in our neighborhood, <laughs> <Yeah>. right? They're <laughs> across the river, yeah. across the Anacostia River, and mm-hmm. uh, I guess that's part of Capitol Hill, mm-hmm. uh, etc. One of the things I love about that is it's a church whose membership is different primarily than our neighborhood, mm-hmm. Whose geography again is across oh, the river sure. in a very different neighborhood, mm-hmm. socioeconomically in many ways, mm-hmm. and yet they have taken a long-term interest in the neighborhood, correct? Right to serve here. Tell us more about how that developed and what have been the the lessons from that, the ups and downs oh, of that. Man,
0: that that is so, and, and you know. In the sense of any pastor that you have the privilege of being with, those Genesis stories are, mm. are everything, and that's the mm. goal. And I would say, you know, for Pastor Mark, Pastor Joel, it was his Pastor Mark's father-in-law, Pastor Joel's father at Calvary Church that really planted those seeds of mission mm. and being with people. Mm. And, like, they— they have a brother in Ethiopia, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, that's how it's like, hey, and he has his own church, uh, Pastor Zeb, um, uh, Beza International. So I have seen them model well, what it means to be together for the sake of the gospel. Mm-hmm. So I, w- I will just say that, I, I think that's a part of that, why they took such an interest. But in the sense of being here in, at the Dream Center, I think it really was this whole idea. Pastor Mark had did a convoy of hope, which I'm sure you heard of, mm-hmm. and this was maybe back in 2008, 2007, and he has retold this story before, and like a sermon was just just saying like, hey, I felt really good about how our church really blessed the city, and he said I, I felt that very still small voice of the lord just kind of check me and say well, I want you to do this every day mm-hmm. and that kind of put him on this pursuit of what would that look like and through conversations knowing the barnetts and it was the dream center and it was like hey what if we did something like this in our city so when i look at national community church and like you said yes it is a different demographic than primarily the people who are right here in our community mm-hmm. it's really saying well for the sake of the gospel what are we doing in our community? Because this is the Lord's territory. We're ambassadors. This is a transient space I'm holding right now mm. for the king, for his kingdom's sake. Mm. So when you have pastors who are embodying that and, and allowing you as a parishioner to to sit at their feet and learn and be taught that, it was easy for me to be like, hey, man, i I really want to be in ministry, mm. right? You know what I mean? Because I could see like, hey, man, I get to be with people doing the things that I want to do, being with the people I want to be with, and and they are they're in agreement with me. Mm-hmm. Like they want to be mm. with the the down and outers. Mm. They want to be with the least and the lost. Mm-hmm. And that's what the Lord has gifted me and, and had me. So I got to see that as a parishioner. And so when the opportunity came, it wasn't so much like, Lord, should I take this? It was it was more along the line for me, like Lord, how big is this, mm-hmm. right? And that was my counsel, like, hey, when I was praying about this opportunity, it was like, Ernest, this is a task that you have before you, and a lot of the older pastors would say, hey, that's why the Lord has young men like you coming up because this would kill somebody <laughs> else, right? <You> know? <laughs> it's like I was like, dang, well, I didn't think it was that deep that I'm get, I, You know, I, I get to be with kids, I get to do ministry, you know, on. And so I, I would just, I think I'm hoping I'm answering that question mm-hmm. as best I can. But it really is the work of the Lord that that I just got to be a part of, and still get to be a part of, to see their heart. And when you have a church that's saying, "Let's bless our city to the next generation," that that puts you in a different head and heart space with the Lord, where my prayers. Transformed, mm-hmm. and even how I engage my daily life. So, Dream Center was just that natural outgrowth of people who had a heart for the city mm-hmm. and really wanted to see the kingdom in the city flourish. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah,
1: Amen. Praise God. Yeah, there, there's something. I, I mean, the Lord Jesus, right? He leaves glory, takes on flesh, lives for us, mm-hmm. dies, raised. He's cross. Tremendous difference. Right. In order to do that. Right. And so there's something about the gospel, if it doesn't compel you across the lines of difference, then it's it's something different than uh, what we see in our Lord and what we see in the biblical gospel. There's something that's short circuiting. There's a fuse that's blown. Um, And so I, I love to see that kind of boundary crossing. Um, love and um, sacrifice and investment uh, in that way. Is there, in your experience of that over these last um, several years, have there been places where doing that has been challenging?
0: Yeah, I I would say COVID. Mm -hmm. Um, So that... COVID for us was very unique mm-hmm. because we we are known for our after school program in basketball in wrestling and uh, our mom side out for our single mothers or you know so all these opportunities to gather mm-hmm. to be in person to eat together break mm-hmm. bread pray together and it was like boom this is not going to happen Um, And the Lord blessed us having some friends who, one native Chinese, and one is a friend, Inga Green, who's now back. And she was over there for eight years as a missionary. Mm. And the interesting thing was, and I'll just say this, talking to someone who's not a believer, who's my native Chinese friend, her who is, he was like, hey, man, you forget about that dream center. You need to take care of your family. Mm. I'm sending you these masks. I'm sending you this stuff. This is real. You honker down. And this was back in February. Mm. And she's saying, Hey, she calls me, Hey, Ernest, I'm going to send you like 200 masks. I'm sending you this. I'm going to have suits. We're going to do this. And, and we're talking. And I'm like, Just to see the heart for the people, the heart for the community mm. as believers in that maturity to say, Hey, it's more than just me. Amen. That was like, So that was a blessing for me, even going into that. But even with my team, I'll just say, like, they, I had to have a conversation with them, like, hey, guys, we're going to be open. I know the city said that we're going to be closed coming this Monday. Um, I'll be in here. I I am not, as your boss, I'm not saying come in here and work. Mm-hmm. Hey, you do what you think is best, but just know we'll be open. And my prayer is that we'll give 100 meals a day out of that little White House we will give hygiene items and non-perishable food items to anyone in need out of the drug center. Mm-hmm. And the Lord blessed us. Mm-hmm. I mean, Granny's kitchen stepped up. Meredith mm-hmm. Jacobs, she was she was our chef, um, and we I think we might have made thirty meals that first day. And to see from twenty to 21, 64,000 meals come out of that little white house, mm-hmm. and it was because we were available. Mm-hmm. That's what I, said. I was like. We, I was just being obedient. So what the Lord put on my heart, invited the team into that space. And the team said, okay, I'll be obedient. Some people change roles a little bit at the beginning. It was like, hey, I'm gonna do grants or I'm I'm gonna be in the kitchen with this set group of people instead of being in the center where you got people walking up. Mm -hmm. Every day, like I don't want to be that close to people. I I hear you. Like I'm not even tripping about it. I'm just praising the Lord. There's somebody in here, you know. So um, it it was such a blessing to be able to see that what the spirit of the Lord is is freedom, Mm -hmm. especially in something like COVID, where everybody's telling you to shut down and lock down. And we, it was a blessing to see even our city step up and say, "Hey, we want to support you." So the challenge was is that. I think the biblical illiteracy of some believers now is kind of high. So I, I, I would just say there were people who were coming, who didn't quite understand why we were doing what we were doing, and didn't have the gospel context to mm-hmm. grasp that. Mm-hmm. And it was mm-hmm. the people who were coming as, "Hey, I was a bartender. I was a server. I ain't got no job. I just wanted to help somebody." And mm-hmm. it was like. Wow, do I have to pray? No, you don't have to pray. Mm-hmm. Sure, I'm not going for it. Just know I'm going to pray. Don't be disruptive, I ask that of you. Mm-hmm. You know, and know that we're gonna bless everyone that comes here. And yes, we got some people out front who gonna have a little prayer circle over there. And if anybody wants prayer, they can easily go. With, no one needs to have prayer to get anything. Um, and out of the dream center, over hundred thousand non-perishable hygiene items went out. Mm-hmm. Because of that, there was connections made to friends at Corn and friends in the government who helped us with that farmers and families program and over a million pounds. Of fresh produce went out. Mm. And I just see how being obedient to saying, Lord, if we're here for this community, and that's what me and the team talked about. It was like, if we're not here in a time of need, we should shut our doors and never open up. Mm. Because the church should always be present. Mm. There's always a light on, like Motel 6. The light's mm, on. Uh, it was like, hey, in the kingdom, and the like, the light's always on. Mm, Somebody should be able to come. Even if you ain't got nothing, just a smile. Mm, that's more than enough sometimes for some people. And they say, man, I just I love the fact that you treated me like a human being. And that's happened because mm, the light was on. Mm, so it was like, yeah, that's what I want the gospel to be preached. And that's how I want to be preached at the Dream Center.
1: said if we're not here in a time of need we should close our doors I love that attitude and I love that motel 6 analogy as Christians we need to keep the gospel light on I think what the Dream Center and Ernest proved is that there are times when keeping a light on requires tremendous faith sacrifice risk and resilience the pandemic took lives many people still live with long COVID We didn't know very much about the virus early on, but for a significant period of time in the face of uncertainty and risk, the staff at the Dream Center made the deliberate choice to serve meals and provide hygiene materials. They made the deliberate choice to put themselves at risk in order to serve the needs of our community. They kept the light on because they were spiritually and practically gritty. I don't think there's any way to serve in neglected and vulnerable neighborhoods without a fair amount of grit and risk. But where does that grit come from? As I continued to talk with Ernest, we began to reflect on hope and biblical literacy. Grit springs from biblical hope. Listen in. You've been doing this work for 14 years, a decade now. Has, a decade, has, yep. Yeah, decade, so 10 years. Yep. Um, tell tell me more about what you've seen in the neighborhood, right? Mm-hmm. So you're rooted yeah. very much in the neighborhood. You guys, in some ways, have a, um, I mean, you work with folks all over the city, but you you very much have a, a presence and a rootedness in the neighborhood. Tell me tell me what you've seen over those 10 years. Man, it has changed a lot. Mm-hmm. Even
0: like yeah, even before, I was there, especially coming from a rich history where, you know, I would hear the stories from Mr. (coughs) Sammy or Mr. Scott saying, like, when we first came here, there was nothing. There was gun violence here and this happened. And I'm like, what? Gun violence right here at the bottom Mm -hmm. of the hill or right here at the bottom of the driveway Mm -hmm. or people shoot? I was like, okay, that was definitely not happening 10 years ago. So can I look at it from 96 to the day and say, man, We've saved countless numbers of people. We have put families reunification together. We've helped people get jobs and we've helped people come to know Jesus a hundred percent. The economic aspect of it, I think, blinds believers a lot of times mm. to the underlying gospel impact mm. because they're looking and they're, you know, people often will come in and say, Well, Ernest, you know, it's gentrifying, you know, it's you know, we got all this influx of money and this and that. And I love to take people to the roof of the dream, sir. And I show him like, oh yeah, that apartment building. When it was being flipped, everybody said, Look, Ernest, they're coming in. You know who I'm talking about, them. They coming. Mm-hmm. The Europeans are coming. I said, Hey man, that's a fourth generation black native Washington went to Howard University. He owns three of these buildings in this community. I don't mm-hmm. even know how many in the city. Mm-hmm. He understands there's opportunity. Mm-hmm. So this is not always a black and white thing, mm-hmm. right? Like so. I feel like I get to speak into that nuance mm. of what is gentrification as it's happening. It is not a us versus them, because at the end of the day, if we're all believers, if you say you're a believer, it, it's it's a whole different us and them. Mm. Right? You know mm. what I mean? Like we mm. we we have a whole nother conversation as believers about what's going on in the world versus what's happening in the kingdom. Mm. And so it is trying to elevate those conversations for believers and to give them the language to be able to have conversation with people. Because I, I love the fact that we serve a God who says "Let's reason together. That's what I want to be able to teach you here for the sake of the gospel. Because everyone needs the gospel. I don't care how much money you got or how poor you are. You need to know Jesus. Right, so at the end of the day, the dream's here, no matter how much money come in here or how much leaves, there's always a need for people to know our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. So with that being said, as I look at changes, yes, is opioid addiction increase. And that's why the partnership with Howard is amazing, because it was four years ago now that Dr. Morgan Medlock, who has now moved on and she is uh, in Colorado, and is uh, over their whole department of behavioral mental health in yeah. Colorado. Yeah, which is amazing. So shout out to her. Mm-hmm. But um, she came in because of Pastor TL made the connection. Yeah, yep. and was like, maybe there's something here. I know Ernest, you were in healthcare before you were here, and we just got to talk. And and she was like, man, we need to have a satellite. We need to be in the community. We need to have a grassroots approach to how we address this. This epidemic, especially in, that affects black men at a disproportionate rate who are over the age of 40. Mm. Like we need to be here in the community. We need to be in Ward 7. We need to be in Ward 8. And it was like, done. You guys can have an office. And then it was like, all right, Lord, we need that. We need our peer specialist. Who's going to be that peer specialist? Little did I know that peer specialist live right across the street from the Dream Center. Wow. Been clean, Miss Daphne's been clean eleven years. Strong Mm. believer, she was like Ernest. I'm gonna never leave my church because when I was getting high and come sit in the back of that church, people pray for me. Mm. That's my; those are my people. Mm. I'm like, Amen. Praise the Lord. That's what I want to hear. I love the fact that it was COVID. While she's dropping her granddaughter off at that dream, but COVID is what revealed to me the the diamond in the rough that she is. Mm. Where it was like, man, you can run this produce line of walk up so well you have a care for people you have this background you're identifying people like hey that person's they're hot in a lot I'm going to talk to them mm-hmm. Try to, maybe they can join NA with me yeah yeah let's pray about, let's do that and her care for that when I was like hey Ernest we're finding this place where we need a pitch. oh done we already got her she's been here <laughs> <Amen>. <laughs> for these three years she's been right here Amen. right across the street just waiting for us to get our act together <laughs> you know and so I see how the Lord because we've been in the community, like I said, for teen, how he has said, like, hey, the blessings in the house. Mm. And I think so often, just like the children of Israel, we looking out, hey, man, look at those other nations. You see how they got a king? I need a king. Mm-hmm. You, you see how, look at them over there. Look how they got, oh, yeah, I want that. Mm-hmm. And it's like, no, the Lord has just been pressing upon me, Ernest, the blessings in the house. I got this. Sometimes you ain't ready for it. Mm-hmm. Sometimes you just ain't ready for it. But please know that I got this. Amen. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. so as I've made myself and as we've made ourselves available he's revealed those things to us
1: in due season. Amen. So. Amen. Praise God. Praise God. So encouraging. I I love the fact that part of what I hear in that is you're saying, "Hey, listen, there, there's resources and capacity and opportunity in the neighborhood. Mm-hmm. We need eyes to see it." See it. We need Amen. eyes to see it. I was I had lunch yesterday uh, with with a pastor and uh, he's new to the city. Been here about seven months uh, from New York. Uh, he was telling me, "This ain't New York." I, said, I know it ain't New York, brother, but you know, give it a chance. <laughs> yeah, man, give a, like, chance, this this Come on. give York, a chance, bro. This ain't New York, man. I'm gonna, I'm gonna live it. I'm gonna live through it, right? <laughs> yeah. And, and we we're just talking about the neighborhood and yeah. and he's he's serving his congregation, trying to help them. Um, I guess, see opportunity to grow in diversity and to love and invest in the neighborhood. Um, and a particular, neighborhood that doesn't look like theirs, right? A mm-hmm. um, uh, neighborhood looked more like ours. Yeah. And part of what he said is, is I asked him the question, what what do you see? What mental image comes to mind to you when I talk about somebody's poor, right? And so they they unpacked that, all the things mm-hmm. that we probably imagine as we're talking now. And he said, now, if what you are imagining are all the deficits, right? All the needs, all those things, then fundamentally what you're overlooking is how people in this community create out of scarcity. Correct. Right? Mm-hmm. That even in the midst of scarcity, that's just tremendous creativity, tremendous resilience, just yes. tremendous ability. What we actually need to be able to do is to add some goggles to that that are about oh, opportunity. Man. That are about seeing capacity, seeing resilience, and 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 recognizing that the Lord is already at work in Amen. these places, right? Um, and so when I hear you talk about, yeah, this sister's right across the street. Yep, right. You know, in a church that's been praying for <laughs> yes, her for you know exactly. years, committed already. How much? How much is there already, and how much you don't have to do? Mm-hmm. if you have eyes to see it. So, for example, you don't have to recruit somebody from outside the neighborhood. Right. Then teach them how to live in the neighborhood. Yeah. Then teach them not to disdain certain things yes. in the neighborhood. You know what I mean? Yes. That, that sister's already here committed. Um, and it's part of the natural resource in the neighborhood, man. So mm-hmm. I love the way you guys, and, and, and from our first partnership around one of the mm-hmm. job fairs, mm-hmm. I've just heard that in you, just this sense of opportunity, creativity, can-do um, really hope, Amen. really hope, man. That's that just it. sort of imbues what you guys do, man. Amen. Blesses me. Thank you, Pastor yeah. T.
0: Because that's the that's the prayer for the Dream Center. We, I always tell people, hey, this is a place where hope becomes habit. Mm-hmm. And I realize that hope is in a man, and his name is Jesus. Amen. Right? You Amen. know, like that. That's the that's the amazing thing. And I would say, even going back to COVID, I had a conversation with one of our volunteers. Just I said, COVID. Really, I mean, we got a lot of different volunteers coming mm. from all over. And he was like, Man, I'm done with hope. I'm here. We just gotta be practically in the streets, you know what I'm saying? Doing like this. And I was like, brother, I hear you. I hear <laughs> you, man. Like I, I know you have people, you know, talking, saying all these high fluting words. You know, but I said, you know, at the end of the day, man, if you ain't got hope, how you know what you're doing is going to mm-hmm. render any benefit. Amen. I said, there's a little bit of faith and hope, even in the atheists, that sure. you might not even, sure. I, you know, say it is, but That's I'll right. see it and say it to you to That's remind right. you what you're really doing here is not an exercise of mental gymnastics, but you in my world of mm-hmm. hope and faith, mm-hmm. you know, Amen. like so, um, and so we had a good discussion, you know, but it's, I realized that so much of the world is just sitting back and they're waiting for the church, I think, to step up
1: mm-hmm.
0: and, and say, hey, we're not perfect, right? We're not perfect, but this is the direction we're going. We would like to invite you to be a part of it. Now, going back to something I said earlier about the biblical illiteracy, because it is, that was something that I I, I saw at times. Mm-hmm. Where in my time here, we have a Bible study. I've run a Bible study before we would do some of our outreaches. When we go pray, we do a prayer walk, and I would always like, hey, just ground on the Word. Have this time, and then we're gonna go out, and we're gonna go in the community. And um, a young lady came and was a part of that time, and she was point court appointed mm-hmm. to be there. So I was like, oh, okay, cool. And then the lawyer calls a day of, and like, hey, you know shoplifting, this, that, and this. And I'm like, oh, shoplifting. Oh, man. I gotta, I'm going to have to watch this person now. You mm-hmm. know, I got all these people coming. I don't, <sighs> you know, and that's where my mind immediately mm-hmm. went, right? I, mm-hmm. Lord, forgive me, but that's what immediately, I said, oh, my gosh. And we're there, we do our Bible study, and she looks. Where'd you get that from? Can I get those notes? And I was like, oh, I was just reading the Bible verbatim. I mean, like, mm-hmm. I didn't, that was nothing. That I... That's the Bible. Mm. I've been in church my whole life. I ain't never heard of it. So how do you become a Christian? Oh, wow. Exactly. Wow. And I was like, this was just supposed to be something that's five minutes, 10 minutes of encouragement before we go out here, kind of orient those of us who are believers Praise to Lord. get ready. And I'm like, Lord, look at this. This is someone who had. So I, we just went through the doc- Genesis to Revelation. And some one of my friends was like, Ernest, I was scared when I heard that mm. question because I didn't know what to tell her. mm and mm-hmm. you walk her through the Bible like that convicted me mm-hmm. that I need to be able to do that with Amen. somebody. Mm-hmm. So I realized that the actual fellowship time, the breaking bread time, the face time to be with people it is where I think the the church needs to be. And that's part of the biblical illiteracy at times is that, that I see, because as a parachurch, we're boots on the ground. And I'm assuming that there's something there that yeah. you're pulling from, that yeah. you have, Gospel understanding and some framework to motivate you. And that's when I don't see that, then we start hitting these struggles where I'm like, Mm. man, I already know that there's issues out here in the community. I don't need you bringing issues too. Right? You know what I mean? So that's the one, like, that's why as a parachurch ministry, I would say, like, that was something that was a little different because I know COVID pushed us all to our limits. Mm. So whatever's there is coming out. We're bleeding, everybody's getting squeezed, and it's coming out, whatever's there. And so it's like, ooh, and I don't think without COVID, I would have been able to see that, right? I mm. wouldn't have been able to see those type of things as a parachurch ministry. I would probably just say like, hey, I think everybody's doing good. So it's like, hey, man, as a big C church, and I put the Dream Center in that, like I'm not, we the big C church. We all claim to be the bride of Christ. So we all need to know our role. Mm. And mm. ain't nobody the head. Mm. Ain't nobody mm. the mm. head is taking. So either you toe a nail, you can be sinew, you can be <laughs> a bone, I don't care what, but you, you better figure it out and work together. Mm. And so that's. Where I'm But again, that revelation would have never came without a COVID. I don't think I would have ever said that to you if you asked me that question. I think it was like, oh, no, I think it's going really well. Pastor mm. T, you know, like, mm. I think we we operate really well. But it was like, no, I, I'm i seeing a little bit of a lack on that, mm. people being ready for ministry. Because mm.
1: you know? mm-hmm. um, you, you, you're raising, I, I love that you're raising this capacity issue and discipleship issue and things of that sort. Are there things that... Um, You think the parachurch organization is uniquely suited for that's different than, say, the local church?
0: I think especially depending on where the church is, right, Mm in its growth and life cycle. Mm -hmm. Right, in its life cycle. If it's a a newer church, I will often talk to pastors and say, hey— I am more than willing. If you have a sermon series or anything, I am more than willing to come in and maybe share practically about mentoring and why mm-hmm. this is our highest level of service because we're asking for people to make disciples, mm-hmm. and so we're asking questions of people that are biblical now. Mm-hmm. We, ain't good, but it's like, hey, are are you in any sexual relationships with people that's not a spouse? Because mm-hmm. if that's the case, let's make that right, and then you can be a mentor. Mm-hmm. But let's get that stuff right. Mm-hmm. And I realized that that is such a different vibe (laughs) Mm. from people just saying, like, hey, I just wanna do good.
1: Right.
0: You know, I I have no problem with people who wanna do good. And I tell my team, I said, guys, the distinction for ministry isn't good or bad, it's what's good and what's of God. I said, that's where we are. I said, Satan ain't rolling in here. Just saying, like, hey, I want you to do evil, Dream mm-hmm. Center. It's like, no, ain't, like, you know, that that that's not happening. What our temptation really is, it's like, hey, man, we're doing some good stuff. Mm-hmm. That's our temptation. We're doing good stuff. It's like, well, it's God's stuff. So that's a constant prayer point for us. So I think we are uniquely suited as a Dream Center to really be able in the, in the life cycle of maybe a young church of really trying to help people grow up in their faith and, they're being discipled there and they can kind of disciple in a community here because they say, hey, I really mm. want to be in community, really want to be here. Hey, I think Dream Center could be there for the church that's kind of in the early 20s or, or you know, mm-hmm. like in their 30s, hitting mm-hmm. their stride, like, hey, this is what I want to do. It really is like, hey, Dream Center needs help with setting up structures. That so we serve a God of or order, right? Now, I'm not saying everything has to be, you know, from the business world. Take it right. out of that book, you right. know? Like, no, I'm saying help me structure program and activities. Come with a vision. Like, I want to see people who come with a vision who say, hey, Ernest, I got this vision, and I've made it pretty clear. I'm like, hey, man, I, I think you might be able to run with it here. mm mm-hmm. I think you might be able mm. to do this here, All right? mm. like, Let's partner together. And let's see how we can do that. So I think those are the ways that the church can step in. Now, this sounds crazy, and I've not shared this with anyone before, Pastor T, but I have prayed and thought about this, like, Lord, will there ever be a time where I'll be alive to see the Dream Center wholly run by the church? Mm. Wholly run by the church, where mm. maybe people like myself, maybe they're they're blessed to have some sort of stipend or something, but... I mean, I want to see everybody in the church be a part of this, regardless of where it's at, what church they're part of. It doesn't matter because it's a big C church. And we know because we have technology now we have ways to schedule things and yes there's going to be things that happen i pray when i'm old and gray i could be that old guy that's just kind of sitting in the lobby like what's he do? oh I just he's just hanging out you know he's just hanging out cuz that's what that's what i get to do as an old guy right i can just hang out you know so it's like lord i pray i can do that to fill in those gaps cuz so i know in ministry sometimes just stuff that happens people's doing the administration stuff they're like man I that's important but i can't get to ah. no. i was like hey i got it i got it i can do that stuff but i've i've often asked the lord like lord could it be organized in such a
1: way where well, that's a reality? Yeah, yeah. So that's, good vision. yeah. it's a good vision. Maybe we'll land the plane on this on this question. Um, someone's listening out there. Uh, maybe they're a church established in the size of a national community, mm-hmm. right? Or a similar church. And they're looking in their city. They see a neighborhood like our neighborhood here in Southeast. And they say, hey, I love this. Dream Center idea, or I, I love this idea of creating a parachurch ministry that, you know, serves the various mm. needs of the community as, a, as an arm of the church or what have you. Um, what what counsel would you give them? Things they need to think about, yeah. things they need to do. It Thank to you. Them.
0: This is a great question. I would tell any, any pastor who's listening to this right now, please don't make this another program. Mm. Because it's just, it's so easy. It, that, that's such an easy temptation to just fall into that. Mm. Well, I'll schedule this and it'll take a year and then we'll get it all up and then it'll be good to go. Mm. But it's like, no, man, like you you have to have the people who have that pastoral vision and mindset always be connected to this thing, mm. always. Mm. So I would say, please, let's not make it another program. But for the churches who are looking for that, I would say, hey, ask the Lord to reveal to you who's in your community already. Because I am sure, regardless of what people group is available, there's no elements in those communities where it's like, hey, you, oh, you're talking about Mrs. Jones. Mm. Oh, yeah, she's she, mm. she, she, she mm. been there forever. Mm-hmm. She's been doing this and da-da-da-da-da. So it's like find those people and hear the story. I would just say find the people, hear their story, and just ask the Lord, Lord, what would you have us do? Mm-hmm. I I would say that's as a as a pastor or someone who's in a church, that's how I would tell them to do. And if you're someone who's starting just saying, like, hey, I'm full, I'm just pregnant beyond belief, and I just need to give birth <laughs> to, to this vision the Lord's giving me. I'm just trying to figure it out. I would say like, hey, please, you can reach out to us at the Dream Center. I would say go to the Dream Center Network. Or if mm-hmm. you already started something, like, hey, I'm doing this thing on the side. Reach out to those individuals in your community. I would say start there. But if it is something where you reach out to us, so be it, because I do get people who just kind of reach out saying, mm-hmm. I'm trying to start this thing. But it's just not about the X's and O's. Mm-hmm. That's what I would counsel them on. Like, hey, I'm so glad you got that business plan. Mm-hmm. I'm so glad you're going to show me. Here's my articles in incorporation. Mm-hmm. See, I got my stuff. And I'm like, hey, man, because you need it. You can't run an organization <laughs> without it. But who's your prayer circle? hmm who who are the people who are pouring into you? Who, who where are you getting your wisdom from? What what does your your regiment look like of just getting into the word, getting away with the Lord? Like those are the things I'm going to ask you, because those are the things that's going to make and break you when the times get tough. Mm-hmm. Right, and if you ain't got nothing to fall back on, it don't matter how good those articles and corporation was and how good the vision statement is, how good the mission statement is, if you don't have a firm foundation, it will fail. Yeah. So I would always want to counsel them on, hey, what's the softer side things look like? But at the end of the day, on both sides, it's like, what does the Lord put in your hand? Mm-hmm. Just like with Moses, it's like, I love how the Lord takes the common things of life, whether it's a staff or the common people the disciples, And he does something extraordinary with all of it. And so I'm like, hey, that's the same God that we serve. So best believe he has a plan for you. And I'm just asking you to get just a little closer to him. I think in maybe your own unique ways. Amen, amen, amen.
1: I'm going to date myself here, but... I feel like we should end this episode singing something wonderful, something good.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Amen. 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 That's exactly right.
1: That's what the Lord is up to, man. Amen. Brother, I appreciate you, man. Thank Thank you. Thank you for letting the Lord use you. you Yeah. uh, And for giving yourself away to the community and the neighborhood, brother. Thank you, Pastor T. And thank you for joining us for the chat, man. Thank
0: you for having me on this inaugural visit, man. This is just awesome. So glad for you, you. brother. Blessings. Amen.
1: I enjoyed this conversation with my brother, Ernest. As I said at the introduction, he's full of energy, Godward ambition, and hope. I value that mix of virtues and aspirations, and here's why. In in neglected and vulnerable neighborhoods, problems and needs in the neighborhood, they, they wage a relentless war against hope. The pastor, the Christian, the planter, and the resident can ever so subtly lose hope. First it feels like fatigue, then it feels like frustration. Soon apathy is justified by calling itself wisdom or patience, but all along, we can be accommodating our hearts to a hopelessness and faithlessness in the face of our neighborhood's problems. So as we do this work, we need more people like Ernest in our lives. We need to practice the kind of hope Ernest practices. Earlier in the interview, he said the Dream Center is a place where hope becomes habit. I like that. And I pray that would be true of our churches too. May our congregations be places, communities where hope becomes habit, a contagious spreading habit throughout the body of Christ and into our neighborhoods as you listen to this today i hope you were encouraged to hope and thank you for listening uh, until next time i see you around the block